Welcome to the Clean Energy Revolution with host Jamie Krinsky. There are a lot of questions concerning clean energy. Is it safe? Does it really produce results? How do utilities and the government feel about clean energy? The truth is that it's here. It has to be our future, and we'll give you the answers you need. Now, here is your host, Jamie Krinsky. Good morning. Thank you for joining us on this new and fresh adventure regarding energy, the energy landscape across this great country. In this country and across the world, we are embarking in a revolution in energy, and that is our focus. The Clean Energy Revolution radio show is a sworn enemy of political dishonesty, political misdirection, special interest, utility smugness, and anti-energy independence. We raise and will ask the questions that you, the listeners, and the energy consumer would ask, while also identifying real perspective and applications using clean energy. We will be speaking with, in coming shows, and learning from real people that have implemented clean energy and are experiencing the freedoms from utilities and politicians that feel they have your best interest in mind. Yeah, right. We will be confronting real news and events surrounding energy and special interest with the keen observation in the abandoning of our constitutional protection regarding self-generation and responsible energy generation coupled with taking back our independence and our voice. Utilities and politicians, for the most part, they don't care about us or the environment in the same way that we do. And how could they? When was the last time someone from the government or, the, or your utility asked you how you felt about fossil fuels or the contamination in the environment? When is a power plant's general manager asked the community in which they are located what they think of the ash ponds that are a massive environmental problem? When has the government asked the people to weigh in on energy policy? Funny thing is, we're, we're the only country globally that runs our energy policy through our tax code. Maybe the real focus should be a decentralization of many elements. We're gonna talk about energy. What now? Where do we go from here? When we live in a greener society as a nation, we have an appetite for a better energy product that protects our businesses, protects our families, and should be more environmentally responsible. We should all care more about the world in which we live. For those listeners that are in California and have Pacific Gas and Electric Corporation as your utility provider for electricity, understand these issues. Why would it be that in with today's technology, we should be victimized by others controlling when power is and is not available? Why should we, we be victimized by inefficient inefficiency and others passing that inefficiency to us to cover payment? Why should others have that control over us? 
Recently, the CEO of Pacific Gas and Electric Corp told California energy regulators that the state will likely see blackouts for another 10 years, like the one imposed earlier this year that left hundreds of thousands of customers without power. The revelation by corporation CEO Bill Johnson came publicly at a California Public Utilities Commission meeting earlier this year. PG&E has come under near universal criticism for its lack of planning in shutting off power and its failure to adequately handle customers' questions while the outages last. California's Public Utility Commission's President Maribel Bader blasted the utilities officials saying, what we saw play out this year by PG&E cannot be repeated. Yet, they've admitted it will repeat, at least for the next 10 years. During the recent blackouts, Johnson admitted that his company had not been prepared for the impact of the outages. The utility's website crashed. Call centers went down. The utility was overwhelmed with customers' concerns. It's astonishing. We... we we, we as consumers can't stand for that. We need to protect ourselves. Our audience will be empowered to stop listening to political pundits that have special interest influence and a lack of logic based in fact and actual practice. Our audience will be able to remove the nebulous suggestion that clean energy, while interesting and attractive, is something that we cannot do. Our audience will experience that clean energy isn't a political tool. It's a movement. It's a movement that produces results. Our show will cover clean energy technology, actual applications from consumers, along with the pointing out of news items and how the clean energy revolution can be a significant portion of tax-advantaged planning along with significant environmental and economical benefits. This show will address political misdirection of clean energy and attack the motivation from politics to have an open and honest discussion of what is clean energy in real America. Speaking of a political circus, let's talk about the Green New Deal, of which this show does not represent or promote. Recently, the Green New Deal introduced by Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC. According to AOC, we have 10 years to implement the Green New Deal or else the world as we know it is over. Of course, you may expect this type of claim to come from a scientist, a geologist, or maybe even a former vice president. Ms. Cortez, albeit elected to Congress by citizens of the state of New York, has gained her vast wisdom from tending bar. The wisdom gained from years of tending bar has come to her at little more than 30 years of age. And yet she can predict the end of the world as we know it. Fascinating. Let's break down what the Green New Deal really is. 
the bill calls for a 10-year national mobilization towards accomplishing a series of goals that resolutions lay out. Among, among the most prominent, the deal calls for meeting 100% of the power demand of the United States through clean, renewable, and zero emission energy sources. The ultimate goal is to stop using fossil fuels entirely, Cortez tells NPR, as well as to transition away from nuclear energy. Now, that doesn't sound too bad. In addition, the framework as described in the legislation as well as uh, in, in multiple blog posts contains facts uh, reported by NPR and others where Ms. Cortez calls for a variety of other lofty goals. Upgrading all existing buildings in the country for energy efficiency. That's not bad. I'm not sure how we would pay for it, but it's not a bad idea. Working with farmers to eliminate pollution and greenhouse gas emissions, as much as technology is feasible. Again, not bad. While supporting family farms and, and promoting universal access to health food, healthy food, we also want to pick on our farmers. Don't know if I like that anymore. Overhauling transportation systems to reduce reduce emissions, including expand the expansion of electric car manufacturing and building charging stations everywhere. Expanding high expanding the high speed rail is to a scale where air, air travel stops becoming necessary. Now that one that, that one intrigues me. How about a guaranteed job with family sustained, sustaining wages, adequate family and medical leave, paid vacations and retirement security for every American? Last I checked or heard, that might be a little difficult. Oh, here's a good one. High quality health care for all Americans. None of that sounds like it's going to be affordable. And yet, in the political cycle that we're in, we hear many that are running for office claim to support more. Just wonder how they're going to pay for that. Wonder who supports that. In any event, some parts of the Green New Deal have good intentions, and some, or most, of it is ridiculous and should not be promoted by the intellect of a former bartender. Many in the, many in the climate science community, as well as the Green New Deal proponents agree that saving the world from disaster effects of climate change requires aggressive action. And some of the Green New Deal's goals are indeed aggressive. Cortez tells NPR that in 10 years, we're trying to go carbon neutral. Wow. Now that is a big goal. <laughs> 
I'm just not sure what logic came into this Green New Deal. Maybe, just maybe, maybe it came to her while tending bar. We will see. We will dive into this in greater detail on the other side of the break. But as we've outlined and laid out in the first part of this show, we have a significant challenge amongst us. I look forward to diving in when we return. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The world is going green with everything from recycling and power generation to organic groceries and sustainable energy. Society is interested in easing the burden that humanity places on the environment. If making investments into the strong markets, consider a strong return guaranteed by investing in GreenWave. GreenWave operates with more than 25 years of actual experience in energy. It just makes sense. Visit GreenWave-Holdings.com for more information. GreenWave is a collaboration and energy solutions service platform that can deliver a complete package to support conservation, smart energy, and energy savings. From the product to customer service interactions to the marketing material, everything GreenWave does revolves around fulfilling the promises its value proposition makes. GreenWave is energy revolution made easy, fast, and affordable without the doubt of how to participate and the confusion surrounding energy by conventional utilities. Visit greenwave-holdings.com for more information. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to the Clean Energy Revolution with Jamie Krinsky. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Jamie, that's J-A-M-I, at thecleanenergyrevolution.com. Now, back to this week's show. As we just outlined the perimeter of the Green New Deal let me just reemphasize that some of the Green New Deal has good intentions. However, some or most of it is ridiculous and, again, probably shouldn't be promoted by a former bartender. However, many in the climate science community as well as the Green New Deal proponents agree that saving the world from disaster, disaster effects of climate change requires aggressive reaction. Democrats from Capitol Hill to the presidential campaign trail, as we hear about nonstop or in nausea, see climate change as a winning political issue. And they're competing to outdo one another with ambitious plans to halt the rise of in-planet warming. Greenhouse gases in the atmosphere over as as small as a 10-year period. It is quite a comedy show to 
watch the political race to see who can come up with the most ridiculous, ridiculous stack on top of this bartender promoted Green New Deal. But is that even possible? Is a 10 year plan even possible? And given, given that, you know, the world is going to change if we don't, as we see it. Well, we'll have to stop using vehicles powered by inter- internal combustion engines. I see bikes around my neighborhood that seem to run on batteries. Maybe we could start com- commuting with those. Although, you know, for those of us that commute 100 miles or so one way to work, that might be difficult. However, you know, we'll have to abandon most electrically most electricity produced by coal. I can get behind that. Have to retrofit buildings that use natural gas for cooking and heating. Well, for those of us in the energy energy business, that seems exciting. Have to come up with new bio-based fuels for aviation and carbon capturing technology for cement factories and chemical refineries will be required everywhere. Here's one that I don't know if I can get comfortable with. We're, we're probably all going to have to be eating a lot more vegetarian hamburgers. I think Burger King's got an exciting one out there. I haven't tried it yet. Probably won't. Nobody thinks the shift will be easy. Many doubt it's even possible. In large part because emissions are still on the rise. According to the Global Carbon Project, which collaborates with climate groups worldwide on research to quantifying greenhouse gases. Global emissions were estimated to have a 2.7% rise 2018 from a year earlier and 2.5% in the US. And yet the concept of net zero emissions when the amount of carbon dioxide released into the environment is offset by removal of the greenhouse gas has achieved new prominence as extreme weather events and back-to-back, you know, international scientific reports say we'll have to get we'll have to get there by mid-century to avoid the worst effects of climate change. Mid-century seems better than ten years from now. Might be able to get behind that. In some ways, the most important thing is what year are we going to start seeing emissions fall dramatically? This has publicly been reported by Jesse Jenkins, a postdoctoral fellow at the Harvard Kennedy School and the Harvard University Center for the Environment. Also reports that until we achieve that, getting to zero is simply impossible. But, again, attending bar, it probably seems, many things seem possible. Perhaps that's where the campaign started. Nevertheless, Democrats have introduced a host of plans designed to make the U.S. carbon neutral. Former president, candidate Beto O'Rourke outlined a $5 trillion scheme to reach that target by 2050. Then it seemed like the other candidates followed suit, got comfortable with that sort of deal. And again, New York Representative AOC and other backers of the Green New Deal are, are calling for even more aggressive timelines, as indicated. 
Net zero emissions by 2030. Meanwhile, other political aspirations, um, won by Washington Governor Jay Inslee, released a 100% clean energy for America plan. Sounds interesting. Well, I like the sound of that. The, gov- the government has no idea how to implement, and we shouldn't support the, the energy uneducated to take this kind of a leap without guidance from the private sector. Any U.S. effort to cut net, net zero, net emissions to zero would be a massive project and, and take decades, according to Alex Tremba, deputy director of the Breakthrough Institute an Oakland, California-based environmental research group. The goal of 2050 is a reachable deal, but it is also perfectly feasible in in terms of technology innovation and scaling. However, he adds that achieving this goal by 2030 is functionally impossible. But yet, not on the campaign trail, not in AOC's bar, not in the minds of some political pundits. It's Of course it's achievable. We can do that. If we don't, the world's going to change. We, we may end up like Mars. Hard to tell what goes on in those circles. Similarly, removing, removing combustible engines from the roads or expanding high-speed rail you know, to largely eliminate air travel would, would require nothing short of revoli- revolutionizing transportation. It seems to me that California tried to put in high-speed rail and after they spent billions of dollars decided it just wasn't feasible. But in the land of plenty, in the circle of some political pundency, they must just not have been trying. Some critics say that the cost would even be higher and would unfairly penalize the U.S. economy given that China, India, and other carbon dioxide emitting countries in the world aren't, aren't even doing their share. I believe China is building a coal-fired power plant probably every day. Do we really believe that if we outlaw cars, cows, and planes, and Buildings that the rest of the world will follow? Of course, that's subjective, but I don't think so. Of course, inaction on climate change has has its cost as well. An analysis of a UN Environment Finance Initiative project found that Delays in taking action to counteract things like rising carbon dioxide could cost companies approximately $1.2 trillion during the next 15 years. And even if everyone does nothing, economies, everyone's economy would be penalized. To achieve net zero emissions, we'd have to do absolutely all of the following. 
some of which requires technologies that haven't been fully developed, tested, or deployed. Planes and automobiles, at least, will need to be overhauled. The U.S. sector that uh, that's the number one source of greenhouse gas would need to be electrified and converted to clean energy. What? That doesn't sound too bad. Electric cars, trucks, and buses. A side note, so, some of these electric cars that are coming out are, are hideous. So I hope that's not the future. But anyway, cities would need to be redesigned with denser development centered around mass transit to reduce the need for personal vehicles and encourage walking and bike, bike riding. And I'd get behind that. Commutes would be much longer. Time I get to work, I'd have to turn around and go home. I'd be in better shape, though. Anyway, the, pro- the problem is there are only about 1.2 million electric vehicles on the, on, the, on the U.S. roads now. According to some data, although that doesn't include commercial vehicles, by comparison, there were 272 million light vehicles in operation in the country in 2017. 272 million. Hmm. That's, of course, according to research and information provided by the IHS market. Aviation, which is now responsible for 15% of world, worldwide oil demand, has been testing biofuels on some commercial travel. But only five airports in Scandinavia, Australia, and Los Angeles have regular di- distribution, according to International Energy Agency analysts. Making fossil fuel-free synthetic jet fuel from hydrogen and carbon dioxide possibly harvested from power plants is technically possible. Technically. But the process is currently prohibitive, prohibitively expensive and needs further development, according to a report from Air Transit Action Group, a global industry association for aviation and tourism. Sounds like we're not there yet. We'll have to clean up the power grid. I could get behind that. The energy sector, the second largest source of the U.S. emissions needs to transition fully away from coal and natural gas. Or couple it with costly carbon capture system which have been used at oil refineries and other facilities, but never deployed widely in, in, electri- in electricity manufacturing. The nation's power grid will need to double in size to accommodate more power from far-flung renewables, which also require new battery storage, new technologies, such as advanced nuclear power generation, which will need to be commercialized. How about grid stability? How about, just how about, for a second, how about the decentralization of power? Wouldn't that be something? Again, dare to dream. But we'll dive in. When we return, we will keep diving into the clean energy revolution.
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. GreenWave is a collaboration and energy solutions service platform that can deliver a complete package to support conservation, smart energy, and energy savings. From the product to customer service interactions to the marketing material, everything GreenWave does revolves around fulfilling the promises its value proposition makes. GreenWave is energy revolution made easy, fast, and affordable without the doubt of how to participate and the confusion surrounding energy by conventional utilities. Visit GreenWave-Holdings.com for more information. The world is going green with everything from recycling and power generation to organic groceries and sustainable energy. Society is interested in easing the burden that humanity places on the environment. If making investments into the strong markets, consider a strong return guaranteed by investing in GreenWave. GreenWave operates with more than 25 years of actual experience in energy. It just makes sense. Visit GreenWave-Holdings.com for more information. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to The Clean Energy Revolution with Jamie Krinsky. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Jamie, that's J-A-M-I, at thecleanenergyrevolution.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. Where we left off is we talked about, we were talking about we'll have to clean up the the power grid across, across the U.S. That's a pretty lofty goal. So let's move on. How about farming? Farming's going to have to go back to ground. Agriculture accounts for almost 9% of the U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. I think farting cows and factory farms are not very not very helpful for our uh, for our environment based on a uk plan to cut net emissions by by uh, two zero by 2050 released earlier this month by the government's committee on climate change drastic changes would be required more people would need to eat veggie burgers as we discussed earlier and forego beef lamb and dairy products we may be spoiled in this country but i'm not sure i could support that more people, or, I'm sorry, far, farmers would, would have to, to undertake transformational land use changes, in, including tree planting and restor, restoring soil and, and peatland. Other measures targeting livestock emissions, such as improving breeding and, and diets, would be needed as well. The committee, the committee, the committee found... Many changes would be required across the agriculture market. Even then, the report says it's it's difficult to reduce agriculture emissions to near zero. Oh, given inherent biological process and chemical reactions arising from crop soils and livestock. I don't know what we're gonna do. We'll have to start policing our our producers or po- policing our producers. The the steep slope of emissions. Cuts, uh, cuts needed would, would require carbon 
removal not only in in, power, in the power sector but but also for the industrial process such as the manufacturing of steel, cement, other products that are heavily greenhouse gas uh, producers. As much as 1.85 billion metric tons of carbon would need to be removed from the air annually to help the, the U.S. zero out emissions by mid-century. According to a report earlier this month by the Ridium Group, an economic policy research provider, to, to do that, the federal government would need to spend $181 million to $240 million per year over the next 10 years to research carbon capture and removal technologies as recommended by the National Academies of Science, Engineering and Medicine in the third quarter 2018 report. I think it was October. Jenkins, the Harvard postdoctoral fellow says that to meet net zero emissions by 2030, the U.S. government would have to intervene on a scale not seen since World War II when it commanded factories and rationed gasoline. I'm not sure how any of us would be able to support that. Likewise, some of the more progressive economic policies, universal health care, and a job guarantee, for example, while, while popular among some Democrats, while popular among some Democrats, would also be very difficult to implement and transition into. On top of that, implementing all of these policies could cost trillions upon trillions of dollars. This plan, if implemented, would, would be nothing short of economic suicide for, for Americans. This application, while attractive for a former bartender and some who reportedly didn't even know what a garbage disposal is, will further expand the federal government's role in some of the most basic decisions of our daily lives. It's not a surprise from some on the left that that are moving toward a socialist nation taking the position that all cars, planes, and cows should be outlawed. I submit that Cortez and the other socialist Democrats have not spent a day in our lives working with operational budgets and exploring into cleaner and more cost-effective energy applications. Why does the government need to mandate such change? What is the value proposition to Washington other than federal government expansion? They do such a great job with management, if, if you believe that. We should talk about a bridge to nowhere in Alaska. Altogether, the Green New Deal is loose framework. It does not lay out guidance on how to implement these policies. However, like Nancy Pelosi commented on the Obamacare, you need, you need to sign the bill and implement the policy to understand what it represents. Or how about this one? How about former President Barack Obama saying, if you like your physician, you can keep your physician. I'm not sure that happened either. 
But they did a good job on they did a good job in healthcare. Right? I think it's just my my insurance that seems to be more difficult now than than ever before. But anyway, I digress. These these are all lies or, or deceit. Nothing but political misdirection, misdirection and special interest. On this radio show, we won't stand for that. And we will show how to take real steps toward implementing clean energy. What now? Where do we go from here? When we live in a greener society as a nation, we have an appetite for a better energy product that protects our businesses, protects our families. It should be more environmentally responsible. Ultimately, isn't that what we really need to talk about? Isn't, isn't, doesn't it have more to do with energy assurance? Banks want assurance on, on what, what they make investments in. Doesn't a bank want assurance that what they put their efforts and their money towards will lead to repayment and appreciation? How about a business? Businesses want assurance. They want to know what they put their efforts towards will ultimately lead to a return. Isn't the real focus on energy, isn't the real focus on energy resilience and reliability? What is that? Why would that be so important? Let me illustrate a real life example using a real client of ours. I will protect the specific names, but will outline the application. Our client is a global manufacturer of linear, linear motion technology and automotive components with both domestic and overseas manufacturing capabilities. Our client's manufacturing process relies on, always on, uninterrupted power to fulfill its manufacturing process in a timely manner. Any severe weather or grid interruptions cause material losses and ultimately a loss of profits. It is difficult to put a price on reassurance, peace of mind. How about protection from an unreliable grid power? Our group, we, we developed a phased approach to shield our client from the issue. We applied a rooftop and a ground mount solar system to supplement the facility's daily usage. We, we also added backup batteries. We, we added energy storage. Our client and our group essentially took a microgrid-like approach to combat grid outages to reduce the company's carbon footprint and ultimately save the company money. Our client will become a showcase for other companies looking to gain control of their energy spend and reduce their carbon footprint. Many companies are interested in this. One of the fastest growing sectors. You can see for yourself, re100.org lists them all. Opportunities are endless when both parties are able to innovate. Policy and utility constraints force us to become more creative. In our client situation, 
constraints set by the utility enabled us from keeping the utility, the clean energy produced from the sun on site and to be reused immediately or stored for later use. All industry, all industrial facilities can take our clients lead in order to become more resilient, shade demand and cut energy costs. It simply just makes sense. Most states have many electric utilities, many small, some big, and with a lot and with these large number of companies, it can be hard to get a true overall status of the power grid in a particular area. Most utilities put very little resources behind their outage management systems, OMS, OMSs as they are referred to. They are more focused on getting their customers reconnected as they should be. However, this means that during big events where lots of people want to know the status of their power in a, or power in a particular area, the OMSs will tend to be overwhelmed if not completely unresponsive. Hello, PG&E, California. Industry leaders are, are increasingly focused on power system resilience. Within this discussion and consideration, there really are a few different viewpoints. First, increasingly challenging weather events, such as Hurricane Maria, which ravaged Puerto Rico. How about the wildfires in California and the associated power outages? What are the monetary impacts of these events? How much money was spent by the government and industry to preserve life and vital business and industry obligations. For industry, what are the hits to revenue? Massive. For government, what is the hit to much needed reserve funds? For us, maybe we ought to be more proactive. When we, when we return, we'll get into the second issue and continue on in the clean energy revolution. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The world is going green with everything from recycling and power generation to organic groceries and sustainable energy. Society is interested in easing the burden that humanity places on the environment. If making investments into the strong markets, consider a strong return guaranteed by investing in GreenWave. GreenWave operates with more than 25 years of actual experience in energy. It just makes sense. Visit GreenWave-Holdings.com for more information. 
ScreenWave is a collaboration and energy solutions service platform that can deliver a complete package to support conservation, smart energy, and energy savings. From the product to customer service interactions to the marketing material, everything GreenWave does revolves around fulfilling the promises its value proposition makes. GreenWave is energy revolution made easy, fast, and affordable without the doubt of how to participate and the confusion surrounding energy by conventional utilities. Visit greenwave-holdings.com for more information. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to The Clean Energy Revolution with Jamie Krinsky. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Jamie, that's J-A-M-I, at thecleanenergyrevolution.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. When we left, we, we were talking about the, the industry-leading Industry leaders are focused on power resilience. And within that discussion, there are two viewpoints. We, we talked about the first one being environmental issues such as hurricanes and wildfires. The second major consideration, is there a changing energy generation mix? The simple answer is yes, of course there is which leads to to the discussion of the implications of conventional power plant retirements, reliance on natural gas and electric gas convergence. What's the bottom line? As pace and amount of baseload retirements increase, significant amounts of backfill capacity, mostly gas-fired and related gas infrastructure, as well as transmission upgrades, will likely be needed in the next three to five years to calm the potential energy disaster that is quickly approaching. Certainly, the utilities won't pass all of that burden on to us, the consumer. I'm probably wrong. They probably will. The clean energy revolution supports the advancement of clean energy application and innovations through the delivery of energy solutions and technology. Today represents the opportunity to participate in a new and exciting investment opportunity in clean in clean energy. Tired, I'm I'm growing tired of hearing about the power of a real estate investment. If you're not in stocks, you're not in bonds, you're not in alternative investing, then you gotta go into real estate. I submit that clean energy investments have better returns, better guarantees, longer impacts. But I digress. The the measure of why one would invest is highly personal, but there seems to be very specific drivers for those interested in clean energy investment. Lowering the cost of electricity and establishing a more consistent and predictable cost of energy is one. That's a big one. Most utilities will tell you that 
your energy, your, the cost of energy hasn't gone up in years. But yet, they pay more year after year. It's that tricky demand charge. And they make it as complicated to understand as possible. It gives you brain damage to try to figure out the amplifiers and the time of day and the coincidental and the demand ratchet and yada, yada, yada. How about protecting oneself from loss of power? Again, hello, California. Knowing you're going to have outages for the next 10 years. I hope I get a lot of, lot of emails looking for advice. We surely can help. How about contribute to environmental improvements such as as our society becomes more conscious of environmental impacts? What is the problem that we must recognize? The demand for electricity is forecasted to grow twice as fast as the total energy consumed and surely leading prices will rise to unprecedented rates. Last time I looked at some of the rates in California or on the East Coast. I just thank the Lord that I live in the Midwest. What happens when they when they rise? 10, 15, 20%. Might have to get two jobs. Poor national grid. Operational performance has left the national rate base, us, us citizens, exposed to disruptive energy supply and unpredictable rise in economics many of our our clients have frustrated beyond measure on how much capital allocation is required to uh, to keep their business running how about schools spending almost in energy as they do per per student Poor recovery by national utilities and grid operators, along with lack of progressive energy policy development across the U.S., has left many corporations setting objectives to deploy clean energy, resilient energy, improve sustainability, eliminate, eliminate outages, and reduce carbon footprint across the entire marketplace. What is the solution? There's no better way to showcase a company's re renewable energy initiatives than place a clean energy generating system at your facility. From achieving corporate carbon reduction initiatives, clean energy investment represents the best in, in objective achievement while saving cost and increasing energy assurance. In closing, the clean energy re revolution is a show that is the sworn enemy of energy dishonesty, political misdirection, special interest, utility smugness, and anti-energy independence. As we said, we raise and ask the questions that you, the listener, would ask while also identifying real perspective and application with clean energy. A common criticism of clean energy technologies like wind and solar is that they impose undue costs on consumers and the wider and, and across the wider economy. 
A new working paper from the University of Chicago's Energy Policy Institute points out as much, stating that renewable energy technologies at the state level and the state level policies that support them have resulted in $125 billion in added electrical costs nationally over nearly a decade. The continued high cost of renewables, the study reports, results largely from intermittency and the need to build additional transmission lines and generation. Assuming Chicago findings are accurate, wind and solar are still new and maturing additions to the national electrical electric system and intermittency is a challenge that will require new and costly technologies, including grid scale energy storage. Yet, Critiques that focus singularly on high cost on the high cost of renewables, including a recent article that riffs off of the same Chicago paper and misleadingly refers to wind and solar as unreliable, a term the report authors never use, almost invariably sidesteps a fundamental question. High cost compared to what? Utility and efficiency? An aging grid? Bankrupt nuclear facilities? How about coal-fired generating facilities that are beyond their life expectancy? The idea of investing in a better future isn't so radical, and it calls upon the spirit of a greater good and deferred reward that fueled America's development. The subject matter is clearly a large one. The world is going green. Everything from recycling and power generation to organic groceries and sustainable energy. Society is interested in easing the burden humanity places on the environment. If making investment into these strong markets, I would urge our listeners to continue to tune in. We will speak to real people. We will cover real applications while reviewing actual performance thus establishing benchmarks for our listeners. Our show cuts through the politics and the noise that special interest deploys as to confuse the general public. We are the voice of reason regarding clean energy. Do you feel that you are being taken advantage of by your local electrical power provider? If you do, then tune in. Thank you to all that have joined us today for our first show. We will continue to speak on your behalf and confront the energy issues. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to the Clean Energy Revolution. Please join your host, Jamie Krinsky, again next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again next week.